Hey, thank you so much for spending some time with us. My name is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome home. It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 337, a celebration of all things horror. You know you could actually watch the Boo Crew. You can on Bloody Disgusting's 24-7 streaming channel, BDTV. That's available on Roku, Vizio Smartcast, Pluto, and more. It's free. It's a curated collection of incredible horror films put together by the Bloody Disgusting team, as well as original horror programming and short films. And online, you could also watch us at YouTube.com slash BD Horror Trailers and Clips. At time of release, we just wrapped up a fantastic weekend at one of the best conventions out there, Midsummer Screen in Long Beach, California. A mix of horror and Halloween, everything spooky with vendors, celebrity signings, panels, and more. And if you stop by our booth, Fueled by Screambox and Bloody Disgusting. Thank you so much for coming by to say hi. We had such an amazing time. We're going to have some audio for the panel that we did for the upcoming Spirit Halloween movie out October 11th. That'll be coming out later this week. That's the plan. And if you missed us at Midsummer and are in the L.A. area this Friday, come hang out with us at Hell is a Teenager. We are so stoked for this. This is the Jennifer's Body-themed club night, August 5th. The Federal in North Hollywood, themysticmuseum.com for your tickets. Ryan Levine, the singing voice of the band Low Shoulder, is going to be there as well for a performance with other live music, a DJ, a Jennifer's Body-themed menu, which I can't wait to dive into, drinks, and so much more. Now on to the show. This time around, you are joined by a remarkable actor. You've seen her in so many places, Kelly Garner. She is a wonderful performer who completely fades into each and every role she takes on. She's worked with Scorsese, Alexandra Aja, music videos for Green Day, Mike Mills and a Fine Frenzy, done an award-winning portrayal of Marilyn Monroe, acted alongside DiCaprio, Gosling, Christina Ricci, Daniel Radcliffe, Margot Robbie. Every project as wildly exciting and different as the next. Her new film is all that and then some. It's called What Josiah Saw. It's a haunting gothic tome featuring stunning writing, immaculate cinematography, and inventive storytelling that will disturb you to the core and pull you in. It is so great. It's coming out Thursday, August 4th on Shudder. We're going to talk to her about the journey through this adventure and of what's to come. Episode 337 with Kelly Garner is now slaying. If we ride our ways and we ride a great wrong, then we can save her. We can save your mother, boy. People say that property, I swear it's haunted. It's time to let the place go. What about Paul? An old bastard just wants revenge. There's something that he's doing. I need to wait till dark to tell you. It's dark now. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an enthralling storyteller who continually fades into challenging and unforgettable characters. Through her talent and commitment to surrendering herself to that journey, she always brings the audience to remarkable places, searing these performances into our consciousness. Just look at one of her first feature films, Larry Clark's Incredibly Dark Bully from 2001 as a drug-addicted teen, or the Emmy-winning Buffy the Vampire Slayer on what is regarded as arguably one of the best episodes of TV ever created. She's acted alongside Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese's five-time Oscar-winning The Aviator, has shown her proficiency at comedy in Man of the House, took home Best Actress for 2006's drama Dreamland, and was was a tremendous beam of light in the endearing and quirky Oscar-nominated masterpiece Lars and the Real Girl opposite Ryan Gosling. She took to the small screen in 2011 for the three-time Emmy-nominated Pan Am with Christina Ricci and Margot Robbie and NBC's The Enemy Within and starred as the Hollywood icon herself in Lifetime's multi-award winning The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe. From the horrors of Joe Hill and Alex Aja to a music video for Green Day, her career is a brilliant adventure. It's eclectic and experimental. The only through thread being that each role she takes on feels 
as incredibly authentic and unabashedly real as the next. And her latest is an extraordinary gothic tome (laughs) about a damaged family that reunites at their remote farmhouse to confront the secrets of their past. At time of release, it makes its debut on Shudder Thursday, August 4th. It's an unsettling and haunting experience. It's going to stick with you long after you watch it. It is called What Josiah Saw. We are beyond honored to welcome one of its stars, the amazing Kelly Garner. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god you got me think i'm gonna cry oh my that gosh what? so sweet but it's all true yeah. i mean gosh yeah. look at your incredible resume it's yeah. unbelievable and all these films are god they've been so monumental to us and to the horror genre as yeah. well and you've worked with just about everybody oh, and just killing it each and every time shit such a beautiful <laughs> reminder i think we can be so hard on ourselves sometimes sure <laughs> for sure I yeah call, i call her the uh chameleon yeah Ooh. oh exactly man she gets lost like i when you tell me she was marilyn I'm like what yeah you know yeah. she was in panage and then i'm like what yeah yeah i i do not recognize you in all these roles i'm like she was in horns? Like, that was Yeah, horns. I know, like, right? Oh, it's it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. That's Thanks. amazing. So, I mean, just to start off, are you are you a fan of horror films yourself? Is it something that you'd go and watch on your own time? Uh, <laughs> you can be truthful. You can be totally honest. You can yeah. say I hate horror movies. That's uh, no, fine. No, no, I don't. I don't hate them. It wouldn't. They're not the things that I seek out sure. initially. But in horror films like this, where I would actually argue that it's more of a a psychological thriller with horror elements i'm so attracted to them because of the character because of like all the layers you have to peel back to like understand why these like true underbelly horrors really do exist in life so like these are really cool for me like i have this great story because i'm kind of a wuss in horror films i'm the girl that still closes her eyes in a haunted house I'm 38 years old. Um, I got creeped out in this place earlier. I scared her by accident. Yeah, I was yeah. like so proud. I was like in my like late 20s. Uh, I went with a good guy friend. I was like, ah, oh, I think I'm good at horror now. Like, I, I, I want to see it. I get it. I understand it. And so he took me to like Saw 2. Oh, and I no. did Saw 4. I don't know. It was like, what? Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And like 15 minutes in, not even, I think like five minutes in, I turned to him and my eyes were like watering. He's like, are you okay? I was like, I think I have to leave. Wow. Like, I, don't, I actually don't think i can sit in this theater and we had to we, we had to leave so that's incredible so yeah not not necessarily my go-to right right well yeah. as a, as a storyteller so as you said you know the, to, to find these characters with that that exists within this genre when you did darker projects hit a little different like a character like glenna and horns couldn't be any more different than Margot and real girl right like can you kind of describe the different muscles that are required and maybe the come down process of these roles requiring that elevated emotional chaos. Sure. sure. <laughs> I mean, I just got off of a project and I had forgotten through the pandemic, like I just didn't work that much. And I'd forgotten what it was like to like go away for a couple months and come back and have that. Like, I was like, Oh, things are great. Right. And I came back and I was just like, I oddly feel like on tilt and uncomfortable. And what is this? And there is that like decompression from like dropping a character and dropping yeah. all the things that go with it. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Glenna and Margot are are so 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 different. Yeah, yeah. I, I find like Margot. I'm interested in just. I mean, hitting on Lars and the Real Girl for a sec before we uh, you know get into this new film. I would imagine like building her is almost like composing a symphony. Um, there's a lot going on in just keeping her subtle, you know. So you you hit all those kind of awkward moments that require who she is yeah can you like was that really a difficult character to build in particular you know yes and no i mean if i'm honest i think margo is probably the closest to who i really am sure out of all of the characters i've ever played i read that script and i just inherently knew who this girl was and there's a scene that didn't make it into the movie of margo's where she goes to uh, their how the the brother and stepsister's house mm-hmm. to kind of like talk about Lars and like what's really going on and it kind of like took a deep dive into you realizing her character it was almost the darkest one like in the whole thing and that it is a choice to like love it is a choice to have empathy it is a choice to find joy it is a choice to to seek the light and to be a good person and like in that is actually 
where I found that character. And I was like, oh, she's just bringing what she can hold on to and like what she can give to the table every time because it's to look at the other stuff. It just doesn't matter that that's not like where life is, is constructed and made. And so I don't know. I just, she was such an eternal child. All of those Lars, you know, it's like a a touch of a hand is equivalent to a kiss in that, which I just found super innocent and wholesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a, such a great movie. Um, One of our, favorite directors ever is Alex Aja. Yeah. yeah high tension and mm-hmm. crawl and oxygen and horns, right? A masterpiece, which you're a part of. What, <laughs> what are your, what are your memories of, of working with him just in general? And uh, tell us about filming that donut scene. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, the don't, it's, there's always this like turn for me when I'm like into a character and then I go, and then there's like that scene where I'm like, but really, like, re- really? And I'm just like, okay, like, like let's put it all aside. Cause like, Again, this is a character who I think was sexualized and objectified and kind of used her sexuality quite young. And now she's a little bit older and finding that it hasn't gotten her where she wanted to go. So in 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 a sense, I think she's trying to ward off the unwanted sexual attention and tension by like destroying herself, you know, by just wanting to like not be attractive and be as gross as possible and this is what those like devil horns reveal about her and I was like it's actually a pretty fucking cool scene and I remember shooting it because I'm like oh how am I going to do this and then they brought a bucket in I'm like all right all right, all right. Bye, you space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. eat all these donuts the spit bucket right but like Aja's talking to me in like his French accent <laughs> he's like an eccentric and he's like so excited and he's telling me the scene we're doing the scene and I'm like ha 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 and I'm like you know kind of trashy in my in my underwear you know and and he's like and then there's going to be like all these flies flying around you and i'm just like please like cut the flies please don't out of everything like we don't need the flies like we don't need so there's supposed to be flies everywhere like landing on the donuts that she's eating and i was like i don't think we need to and here's how i think I mean, it was so long ago. I think I remember winning that argument was I don't think we need to like accentuate the trash sure, that right. she's actually trying to escape in this moment of like authentic honesty that's being like voodooed out of her. Yeah. And I think, they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But like, really, I was just like, I just really don't want flies around me in this scene. But cool, yeah. cool. Because you don't, you don't want to do what you don't, you don't want to know what flies do the very one time they land on food. The shit, right? Yeah. Or vomit. It, yeah, gross. Like all of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, or they inject their, lar- their larvae into a... Yeah, it's like really? having a really bad flu one all time. over your food. One Are you serious? Yes. One time it lands in your food. That's that all Jade's all paranoid. Our daughter Jade, who was born on Halloween, paranoid of flies. flies. And now, you know, we always give her a hard time for being paranoid about... Not anymore, thanks yeah. to that. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. And like an omen of death, Yep. too, right? Yes. Or is that the dead fly? Both. <laughs> the fly man also a great movie that's a great movie. i'll never forget the that when i saw then those hairs like start coming out of oh, him in the fly yes. and oh. they were just like so coarse and black and i was like yeah. oh this is so great yeah that movie just disgusts me oh my god i love it but it's just so disgusting speaking of death the body right season five episode 16 of oh, buffy the sure, vampire slayer sure. So you play One of my first job. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and was it Buffy's little sister Dawn calls her the primo biatch? Yeah, Kirstie, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that episode in particular was a masterclass in not only writing but production technique in televised storytelling. A lot of people talk about it. it. I heard even the way like the dialogue was recorded, everything was super close mic so they could hear like the cracks in people's voices. A lot of silence was used, which mm-hmm. was kind of different at the time. Did any of that experience imprint on you from what you saw was happening as an early project? Were you walking into this and just going, what the hell is happening? No, man. I had no, I mean, this is all news to me. <laughs> I, I had no idea that it's like regarded yeah. in this way. No, I mean, that was one of my first jobs. I mean, so yes, in a sense, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, Cause it was just all so overstimulating. Like I just, that was a new entry. And then, I think the pressure of kind of hearing behind the scenes that that was kind of they were thinking of having like a like a spinoff around Dawn. And so like that 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 character would then become the 
Is her name the brunette Claire? No, wait, wait. no. It was uh, is it Angel's? Um, yes, Cordelia. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. Start Cordelia. With a C. I think it's yeah, Cordelia. Cordelia. And so she like that character was supposed to like pick up, and so just like I was just so nervous, like I just oh, didn't know wow. like what was going to happen and if it was going to lead to something bigger. And yeah, but then it led to Joss Whedon, where like I had a really fun relationship him with him for a while. Like he was kind of one of the first guys that was like gave me a gave me a start. Was, was cool. that like your first time on like a a studio lot and everything? So at the time? yeah, I mean it's it's that was two thousand five. Uh, yeah, I I would say so. I had done like a five and under on Young and the Restless. I think I'd done a short film for Mike Mills, okay, and then yeah. I think I did like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow, that, <laughs> what then, a cool yeah. yeah. And then from that, I was like went down like a guerrilla indie right. filmmaking right. run with like Larry Clark and yeah. All those guys. So, so you were in a, a music video for Green Day's Jesus of Suburbia. I right? was. And I get like recognized from that the most. Really? It's <laughs> insane. Really? Like, yeah, it's like every all every once in, every, and I don't get recognized that much and I'm I'm thinking that maybe that is because like people just really don't The chameleon thing. Yeah, you get like, lost it's true. Characters. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Every once in a while like I'll just wow. hear like like someone's like running after me, and they're like, oh, "Are you? Are you? What's her name?" And I'm like, "Huh?" And they're like, "And they're like the the, the girl in the Green Day video." And yes. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, she's what's her name? Yes, it's me." And I'm just like, <laughs> wow. "It shocks me every time." But anyways, that's awesome. a lot of people saw that. Yeah, that's a big deal video. Now I'm wondering <laughs> this this might be awkward if you aren't the girl in this video. But if not, it's a like a do, your doppelganger. Are you in the Fine Frenzy video for Electric Twist? No. Oh yes, hooping? you're hula hooping. Yeah, that's you. Oh, that wow. is me. Oh my gosh. I got to hear the story of how that happened. Well, so I had a girlfriend, Diane, at the time, who was really good friends with a- Allison. Oh, yeah, Allison Sudol. Yeah. Allison Sudol and I were becoming friends, and she was shooting this music video. My friend Di was like, "Hey, do you want to like come do?" And I thought Allie was so cool and talented, and she's like, "Do you want to just like be in this thing?" And I just said yes, and so. <laughs> Nice. I just like showed up and who like that's my real clothes and my I was like I just did my own hair and makeup yeah and I was like and the hula hoop holy God. shit I forgot about that <laughs> that's a cute, that's a cute she, video she's one of the best live artists I've ever seen in my life Allison yeah, yeah she's so good I saw super her, talented I, was it the, I don't know if it was record release party or something it was at the Roxy okay and I mean it sounded like the record like that wow. her sound is so pristine live so good yeah she's talented man yeah, yeah i remember that, that song was yeah one of my favorite songs of hers too but i remember it was years ago i was like wait a second it's like a blink and you miss it kind of thing and yeah. I, I gotta ask her one day if she ever comes that in right. i've done a lot of music videos i did a music video for mike mills for wow. everything but the girl nice. i was in like nerd's provider with with brad renfro no way yeah like i yeah i did I did some music videos. <laughs> oh I think I God. like doing music videos. Yeah. It was, is, is it stuff that you tend to like, you know, uh, these come to you via auditions usually or friends of friends? They and come just... to me through like Brad or the, the Green Day one came to me through Lou Pucci. Oh. Because we had done Thumbsucker and oh. they had asked him who they want as the girl and he just was like, Kelly, you want to do this with me? I was like, fuck yeah. Wow. And to anyone listening, Lou Pucci, of course, uh, Evil Dead 2013, the Eric who reads from the Naturum de Manto. That's right. That's, he's yeah. amazing. He's super talented he's so too. Great. I know. He's so great. There's so many great artists uh, in yeah, town. Yeah, no, we got we to gotta get him in here one time too. He's, he's one of our faves. So let's, let's dive into what Josiah saw. So yeah, let's do it. It's already deservingly, I mean, it's picked up a ton of awards, including the jury prize at Screamfest here in L.A. last year. So it's directed by Vincent. Now, how do you say his last name? Grashaw? Yeah. Grashaw. Okay. So tell us a bit about how the project found you, how you found it. I I was offered this project, which was super cool. I remember when I got the email and I'd like just done like a one over and I was like, oh, been offered another horror film because I, you know, <laughs> get offered them a lot. And, and then like sat down to read it. I think I was in like Austin, Texas or something. And two to three pages in, I I, I knew I had to do it. Like, oh. I, I, and I just, because the writing was Robert Allen Dilt's yes. writing. Like yeah. the screenplay to this is like, it's not better because the movie's so good and, 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 and brilliant at times. But like the screenplay to this was so fucking good. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm in. And then, as you all know, Mary's chapter takes a second to get to. And then I got to it. And then I was terrified because I was like, oh, oh, one, I was honored. I was honored to be entrusted with such a cool, dimensional, layered, 
traumatic woman, traumatized woman. Mm hmm. But I like didn't know how I was going to do. I didn't see myself in it. I was just like, this is, I don't understand why that's come to me, but yes, yes. Like, of course I'll do it. And oh, uh, that, yeah, the writing on this is next level. I love, yeah. I love the way, first of all, that it's kind of organized into chapters, mm-hmm. but right when it starts and you get that kind of opening monologue from Robert Patrick. Yeah. Oh my God. You're in right away. Yeah. It sucks you in. Yeah. And then all the little, I don't know, secrets and twists that are embedded in the writing even come to life a second time when you watch it afterwards again. Again. Like things pop that became, that were invisible. The first, almost like it was written on an, with an invisible marker with invisible ink or something. And the next time you watch it, you, you kind of un, you decode it and it reveals like more surprises, which is so fucking fun. And this guy, this is like his first feature, right? No, he did a movie called Stillwater. Okay. I so he say um, it was a, about like a school shooting. But yeah, it's like his second second feature. But wow. that did like Sundance and stuff. And I remember watching that as a reference to be like, well, can this guy pull this like yeah. who's who's gonna direct this? Script? Yeah, like yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. And then I saw that, and I was like, oh, I think he's gonna do a good job. Wow. Yeah, that's what I loved about this film is the character development, especially when we get to your chapter, and it's kind of like, all right, here she is. Who is she? Who is yeah. she? Yeah. And then it's like, what what's going on? And it's like we're not sure what's going on. Well, who is she? Where's this going? I love how it all develops. So you, you know, the writing takes its time to show you the goods. It really does. And when it does, you're kind of like, oh, damn. Okay, now I understand what's going on, you know? Yeah. And then it gets terrifyingly shocking. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, like, I was fascinated by this script because I'm really fascinated in unpacking childhood trauma and how it manifests, the covert or sometimes the overt ways that it manifests and, and projects in our lives, right? And that's what's so kind of brilliant about this screenplay and so great about this movie is you're kind of meeting these three siblings as adults who have all dealt with their childhood trauma very, very differently. Uh, And one, you know, one hasn't dealt with it (laughs) at all. The Mm -hmm. other one's running from it and trying to numb in every way that he can, sex, alcohol, drugs. And, and Mary, uh, I think is, is hiding in plain sight is trying to hide behind being normal, right? Normalcy, like in this track home, in this, you know, perfect life. And you're like, well, you slowly get to, for lack of a better term, like peel back the onion and be like, what, what happened to them? Right. Like what happened to these kids? And then you have chapter four where you get to (laughs) find out (laughs) what happened to these, to these kids. The Boo Crew will be right back. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. This is the horror movie to end them all. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from New Line Cinema. Rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian. The cast, I mean, obviously you and Nick Stahl, who you've worked with before yeah. on, on Bully, and Scott Hayes is fantastic, Robert yes. Patrick, Jake Weber, Tony Hill. Yeah, Jake it's a, Weber's great. What an ensemble. And I, I'm, I'm always curious, like, for you, when you go, you step away from the experience, uh, you know, before you go into it and you prepare and you, you know, you do your, your homework and then you show up and you're put into the fire with, uh, you know, when they yell, action with these other actors that are all on your level, right? The kinetic energy that must result from that must have some effect on the homework you've done. Like when they yell action, are you making decisions that you never even considered before when you start bringing these words to life and you start bouncing off them? What is that like? A hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's like, that's like, what you hope for every time that you sign up for a project and you're usually looking at who your cast is, looking at who your director is and using that to inform like if you want to do it and if it's going to be great. And I loved all of these actors. But when you like do all your homework and then you show up and then you're met 
with other great performances and kind of like a, a looseness to discover it in the moment and a, a director that steps back and kind of allows it to form like you you level up because the people around you are so leveled up and right. then you're and then they level up because they're looking at you and they're like oh she's leveled you know and you're just like kind of very quickly calculating how like present you can be and how much of the work you can actually let go because everyone's done it so then you can just like it's it just it's in the air yeah. it, and and you feel it you feel it as a performer you know when it's there on a set and you know when it's not yeah. <laughs> you're just like oh this one might not be great um but when it's there it's it's cool and it's rewarding because you know we uh, we made this movie for nothing i don't think anyone was really there financially you know and that's what's fun about doing films like this is it's a crew of 75 in the middle of nowhere oklahoma for you know two and a half weeks each you, you we each shot our chapter separately and then, oh wow well, we did the four first and then everyone oh. kind of had time off to kind of um do their own individual chapter wow. um so yeah you just realize everyone's there because they have something to say and they believe in it and that's that's where really cool movies come from the, i mean one example of that that kinetic energy. I feel it when I watch that the dinner scene. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about building that right. scene and getting that tension. Well, the dinner scene was the scene that scared me the most <laughs> when I was reading it. Um, because I think she she at first came across so kind of waspy to me and abrasive and just like kind of cruel, sharp, blunt, you know. And 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 those aren't really attributes that I feel like I have as a person or even like love to play as an actor. And so I just like initially felt really wrong for it. But that dinner scene was like, uh, uh, oh, I see what's going. I see what's going on here. And is there a way that that the situation can be um, uncomfortable and what she's saying can be uncomfortable, but she's not like. I find she's still trying to be nice and like understanding. I feel like there's kind of a softness about her in that of yeah. like, no, like really, like I'm not trying to be a bitch here. Cause at first I read it, I read it like where she was just like, how do you know? Like right, we would right, be, right, I right. would be a good mom. Like, and I think she's more like really, really asking. Yeah. And, and in that scene, you know, I really had one or two or three glasses of red wine. <laughs> I do remember. Method. Method. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you're just like, I mean, come on. Like, sometimes these conversations happen in real life where you have had a couple of drinks and it, it, it like it changes the whole dynamic of everything. And it's a super low budget. Like, it's. Like, give me a glass of wine or five. Yeah, like, yeah. Whatever one you want. But I'll, rem I'll never forget when the makeup artist came over. And I think I had gotten, like, gray teeth. That kind of, like, red wine right. mouth. Yeah, yeah. And he was, like, trying to, like, on the DL, like, fix it and be like, hey, I think you should step outside and maybe, like, brush your teeth or something. And the director, the cinematographer was like, what's happening? And the director's like, no, no, no. And they were like, leave it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Leave her alone. And there's that great line that was improvised from Tony Hill, which when he goes to pour more wine for the guests, where he skips her over and he goes, you've had enough. And I felt very judged by Tony Hill. <laughs> that moment, by the way, who's like oh, a God. super nice, like seemingly squeaky clean dude who came in for a couple days to do this role and I and he was just like and you've had enough and I was like yes I yes sir that I have it's hilarious <laughs> what what to what take are we seeing do you remember like how many takes did you do with that dinner scene I mean we did we, <laughs> we did a lot <laughs> because you're trying to do all this coverage yeah right? it's, it's yeah. a big dinner scene um I mean I played it so many different ways I, I actually I I've thought about that scene a lot and I'm wondering which one they used and I think they used one like somewhere in the middle where I had like kind of just loosened up and gotten tipsy but there right. were some real like, messy fiery ones that I was just like why didn't you use that like, let me see that because, like, because you were on the ground and yeah, crawling on yeah, the I was, yeah, growling you were like do you remember growling at that actress <laughs> oh on, on that note working with Vincent uh, director what was he open to you guys improvising a lot yeah. of the time or for sure? I mean, it, the script just seems so tight. Yeah. It like, does. I mean, not only the dinner scene, but there's other scenes with you in the bedroom mm -hmm. and you know, the medication. Like, there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on. Where you're like, Whoa. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I was wondering like, was that just you thinking I can do this different, better or like crazier or mm -hmm. you know, intense? Um, yeah. I mean, he was one. He's was fully supportive of, of ad lib. Nice. He was, I think he was fully understanding that like the, 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 
it was that it was working right. and that he almost just kind of needed to back away. And he edited the film himself as well, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So I think he just kind of knew what he was going for. And yeah, like we don't shoot on film anymore. Like let it rip. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, like the bedroom scene with the medication and stuff, it was that was pretty, pretty on on script. Wow. But yeah, you get seven, eight people in a room. You want it to feel organic. Yeah, kind of, for sure. And then, yeah. you know, when to just like hit the scene and then kind of go out of it again yeah yeah and then as far as the production design goes i mean this this film has a really unique gritty rusty look to it Mm -hmm. to all the set pieces yeah are we seeing well first so you said it was oklahoma correct is that what it was did did you use any studio no studios anything all actual locations all in that house it was all like pretty natural lighting candlelight like it was it was pretty raw. Wow. Pretty what was the bones. story with the main Graham house? Was it was it a vacant house? Was there someone living there? Do you even know? I don't know. I don't yeah. think I asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I asked. It was just like you walked in and you're like, oh. Yeah, here like, we are. Here we are. Graham house. Yeah. Sometimes I, I just, I, sometimes you just don't need to know too much. Sure. I would imagine it would almost take you out of it if you did know yeah. too much, right? Yeah, because you're as an actor, for me, I'm just trying to, for those sacred moments and weeks that you're on the project just convince yourself myself that that this is my life this is it yeah so any of the other stuff it just it just gets in the way yeah did you keep anything from production the clothes i did keep some clothes nice Nice. yeah i thought mary dressed so cool and that was actually really fun with the with the costumer because again initially like i think a lot of people had seen her in more like slacks and suit, like a little more old, like again, older and waspier and, and cookie cutter house. Yeah. And I was like, no, like, I think you need to see that. Like, like she's trying really hard to fit in, but like nothing about her fits in. And so I just thought these kind of like dark colors and the turtlenecks and some of the jeans and stuff. Yeah. Like I just, she had like a cool fall, kind of dark vibe right yeah. like a little gothic a little yeah, bit. yeah. I, I liked it i was like this is really cute yeah 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 yeah, yeah, sure. yeah yeah she didn't belong she didn't belong in her house and i wanted she didn't belong in that life and yeah. i wanted you to see that Good point yes immediately yeah. and you felt that yeah what about her love of uh photography that we kind of see did you build your own backstory for that a little bit or well you know in in the director's letter, when he had offered it to me, he had touched on on Sally Mann as actually oh, wow. kind of a reference mm. for who this woman was. And I'd always really loved Sally Mann's photographs, which are creepy. And she uses her own children um, in these uh, beautiful kind of disturbing images of, of childhood that aren't like the squeaky clean ones, right? Like one of her famous ones is one of her little girls, but she like got bit or by something in her face kind of like swollen, swollen and it's like it's re- it almost looks child abuse-y mm-hmm. but I had read something really interesting about Sally Mann where she had said that she in a way creates these photographs to ward off anything bad happening she believed if she could construct the image then it was like it it lived there and not in reality ah. and she told this story um I think like her son actually got like kind of hit by a car just just in their uh neighborhood yeah and it wasn't going fast but somebody came in and was like ah so you got hit and she had this moment where before she ran out to check if her son was all right she grabbed her camera she just had this like instinct wow. to grab her camera and i think and she took a photo of him before i think she like went to his aid and i think that's kind of like what started her on making these beautiful images so she was a reference and i was like oh cool cool right like it's not and and in, in mary's sense i think her photographs are, are less covert and a little more right on the nose of right. trying yeah. to like deal with the yeah. trauma but i just yeah i just thought like that part of her as an artist made sense to like why she's constructed the life that right. she's it's that duality right the pictures yeah. are stunning too they yeah. really that, are yeah that they manufactured yeah. for that yeah, yeah they really are Talking to the therapist, the scene where you're talking to the therapist. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard, I mean, it's a heartbreaking scene. In order to put yourself in that state of mind where what you're communicating is so believable that you seem to be feeling those emotions as you're delivering those lines, what is the state that you have to put yourself in? Is it traumatic to, to get yourself there and pull yourself back out and do that over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. 
I kind of love it too. Really? Well, it's just like one, uh, just to go a little off topic. Like I think if you're not having fun as an actor, you're doing something wrong. Even if it's a hard scene like this. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the first cue. Like if, if I'm just like not enjoying this, I'm, I'm off the money. That said, like, yeah, I have to put pretty heavy music on. I have a few go-to songs. I always have like headphones on me, uh, uh, iPhone and the makeup artist, whoever's closest to me will like just, or I'll just rip them off and like throw them on the ground. So like music really helps, but like in Mary's sense, I don't, I couldn't really relate to her circumstances. So I just, I just go to the place of, of losing everything that matters to me and, and wondering if I'll never be able to get it back. And I know it sounds twisted, but like to be able to kind of like, maybe it goes full circle in the Sally Mann thing, right. To be able to kind of feel what that feels like, experience it cathartically, get it out. And then they call cut and you realize none of it's real. There feels like something's been processed without having to actually go through it. Yeah. I don't know. There's like, I kind of love it. That's fascinating. I mean, I would imagine it'd be, I mean, is that part of the, the thrill of the challenge to yeah. see if you can take yourself there? Just the thrill of the challenge. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And then, so what would be like, you know, I've, I've never acted <laughs> ever before. So what would the role, the role of the director to kind of harness and encourage that or make you feel safe? Like what is the, what is their role in assisting that process for you? Uh, well, I think, I think I've worked with so many directors at this point, and I think the really, really, really smart ones set set the tone that is required for the scene before you step on set. Right. So like if it's a quite intimate, heavy, deep scene like that, you don't want to step on set to chaos, to people talking, to someone playing music or something, you know, like you want to step into like the feel of it. Mm -hmm. And so this this actually was shot in kind of this empty warehouse, very different than how I saw it i saw it like in a therapist's office but it was just like echoey and quiet and like vincent had uh brought his energy kind of like down to this grave place and you start to like i mean everything's energy right anyways everything's energy so you have that and you have a quiet cinematographer and you have an incredible actress working um opposite you she's great as a therapist she gave me everything you want you have that and then you like have that scary first time where you get it out and you get close, you get like vibrationally close, like everyone's energy kind of just yeah. like, like they just it becomes this little hive. And then again, like Vincent just reassured me that I was so in the right spot and just kind of let me keep going for as long as I could, for as long as I could. And it's interesting because he definitely chose a take that was quite emotional but there was also some ones towards the end where I was burnt out that were also probably really beautiful too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where like the emotion doesn't, or some of the beginning ones where you're just like not quite there yet. I love that he chose the one that she, she Mary has such a small chapter. So like, let's just like get across what she's really dealing with. But well, know. what were your go-to songs? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. There's this great cat power song. Oh, I love cat powers <laughs> called good woman. Okay. Oh, um, I've heard that one. Yeah. Uh, good woman hits me every time. They also have like a little girls singing in yeah. the back of it. Like it's just kind of haunting. Um, Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Will fuck me up <laughs> every time. God, the whole story of Jeff Buckley just gets uh-huh. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. just something, just certain chords, certain chords. And then, yeah, I'm usually in a corner with my eyes closed, um, picturing myself <laughs> looking crazy from the outside, sure. but picturing myself uh, losing the things you normally people that I love the most. Yeah. yeah. And. It sucks, but, but it makes you know again the, the byproduct of that obviously is it results in very immersive performance yeah. that, that when you're an audience member you feel like it's real and happening in front of you and it connects you automatically and I could say that about everything that you've done right. everything you've done pulls through the screen and, and grabs us and, and connects us to uh, to the story and that's you know it's a, it's a magical thing it's inspiring it's terrifying oh, you know all you. those good things and that I get it's why why you do what you do I guess when, yeah. when it all comes down to it I look forward to putting that scene on my demo reel right there you go well, new work check this out <laughs> <laughs> and, and loving being a music lover 
I always wonder what the experience is like of afterwards, you know, and you see it all post-produced and with sound design and this amazing score. In this case, Robert uh, Pysier, I believe is his name. Um, I believe that's how you say his last name. It, what he does to this film is extraordinary. One of my favorite cues in the whole movie is over a dri- you're driving and there's like a whistling motif Ooh, all of a sudden. Oh, cool. Right? Or like these terrifying uh, string hits that yeah. will hit at very extremely terrifying and creepy times around a certain actor. Um, what is that experience like watching it in the post-production and, and seeing what music does to change or elevate certain things that you put into different scenes? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I remember when me, uh, Robert Patrick, Nick Stahl and Scott Hayes and Vincent got together at Scott Hayes's studio in the Valley to watch the film for the first time. Yeah. And I was really nervous <laughs> because I only saw my chapter and Obviously, the end one, but I didn't see what any oh, of the other. Oh, that been so cool. I didn't see what wow. Nick Stahl did for two weeks. I didn't see what uh, Patrick and, uh, uh, yeah, Robert and Scott were doing for two weeks wow. in that creepy house. And I just knew that the script was really dark. And I just was like, do we pull it off? And I remember hearing those first few music cues and then just seeing how beautiful Carlos Ritter shot the film. And I I watched like the first like five minutes like this, just being like, yeah. oh. like am I my hand, by the way, my hands are over my, yeah, yeah, over over my eyes. eyes. Um right. am I gonna like this? Am I gonna be proud of this? Am I is it you know, I I I love what I do, you know. I I love what I do and I only want to I think all actors really only want to work on great things, but sometimes it just like doesn't work out that way. Sure. Um but I think this one came together. I was just like, I was so excited. I mean, so excited. I also knew it was so fucking dark that it was like, it would never, it probably, unless this just gets like crazy, crazy word of mouth, which is why we're all here. Like, right. it's just never going to hit this like broad audience. And you're like, but it's so good. Like at times it's just kind of, I think it hits brilliance at times. Yeah, where no, you've for sure. Yeah. thousand percent. Never yes. seen, you've never seen a movie like this. And it's 2022. I've been acting for, 20 years I mean we should be moving cinema forward like mm-hmm. it, we yeah. should we should be fucking with format and how mo- how things are told I mean this is I love uh, this is why I love like Korean filmmakers or even the, the, the Swedes like there's that movie Border that's super cool and you're just like you've never seen a movie like this or even um, what The Handmaiden mm-hmm. that, yeah. that Korean film and you're just like this is like 10 films in one Like they will probably teach this movie in film school in like 10 to 15 years because you've never seen anything like it. It's a love story. It's a a queer story. It's it's a spy thriller. It's like you're just like, let's do it. And I feel like this movie kind of like fucks around with format and genre. Yeah, definitely. What what genre is it? I I wouldn't say it's horror. No, it's not all horror. I mean, it's definitely got horror Horror elements elements. to it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But like. God, I mean, it's a drama, yeah, it's a psychological thriller. Yeah, it's all those. It's a, it's a, a I don't want to go too far <laughs> by explaining it because there are amazing secrets. But oh my God, Eli and the Gypsies, my God, it's yeah. so good, so good, yeah. so good, so yeah, good, so good. <laughs> right, killing it, killing it. Everybody's just killing it through yeah. the whole thing. No, yeah. it's 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 amazing. That said, what do you? What's your take on just kind of the overall, I guess, way that people now consume? films i mean it's only really been in the past few years that streaming services have kind of just exploded yeah you know when you were starting it wasn't too long ago that really wasn't around and now the things like shutter exist what do you think that what kind of things do you think it affords filmmakers and storytellers out there um well to not not be as precious right Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. just there's so much content there's there's such a need for new content right now especially i i find like to just like make what you want to make right because if it doesn't if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the day it's not like no one's gonna watch it nobody's watching fucking good films right now like so if it's like just doesn't it's true so if it just doesn't like turn out like oh well like make make art um I think it just I don't know they say that it that they say that it should be easier to get a job I find it fucking harder to get a job these days for some yeah. reason I just think there's so much and uh, I don't know. yeah there is there is a lot right yeah. and you're like <laughs> so, well yeah you're like talking to your agents you're like this doesn't make sense yeah it's like it doesn't two plus two it's like it's not what's happening but I don't I just think there's just 
room for ever, there's room for everyone. It's yeah. just gotten so big. You yeah. know, technology has gotten so cool. You you can shoot a whole movie on your iPhone. So it just there's just you know just just make make things. So what's next on the chopping block for you after this? Is there something that is in post production right now that you could talk about a little bit or something um, that you're um what's next? Well, I just finished a film that I shot in Atlanta. Cool script, uh, great people. Oh, um, I do play a client in the new American Gigolo that's oh, about wow. to hit Showtime. Very wow. fun. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and just kind of like trucking along. Oh, that's so exciting. That's awesome. Well, we're all trucking along with you because everything yes. in each and every role you take is always fascinating. Is there oh. something behind it? Is there is there a logic behind it for you that? It brings you into a, just a project in general. Is there something that you're always chasing? Does it always have to be different? Does it always have to be this or that? Mm, I mean, I usually like to do a 180 from what I've just done okay. because I do love the challenge and I do want to carve out a career that has longevity. Not like it hasn't. I've been doing this for a while, but yeah. like, I just want to continue to do this for the rest of my life. So I'm just trying to like prove that I can handle almost anything that you throw at me. So yeah. there's a 180 logic sometimes, but really i've started to realize that there's like a divine destiny guidance thing that i let happen too because my art informs my life and vice versa yeah. so i feel like if i'm taking a project like there's either something about it that i'm yet to discover about my own life or there's me mm. meeting something that i that i do know and i'm down to like help kind of share the knowledge of what i've learned and so I don't know. I kind of just like I'm always striving to get to that place where I'm fielding like three offers and choosing the best one. But sometimes you're just fielding the offer that you get mm -hmm. and being appreciative to be working with the people that want to work with you while you're still trying to mine out the people you want to work with. Mm. So I kind of just let a bigger thing happen and at this point i know i'm gonna go uh on any project and do a great job yeah i'm yeah. gonna bring uh the best that i can right that is what i can what i can control what was your takeaway from what josiah saw on that note of you know taking yourself to a different place and making that 180 yeah um what josiah saw was a situation where um my life ended up reflecting the art a few years later. Ah. I I knew a little bit about childhood trauma, but I ended up realizing through that how many people I was very close with really, really did have wow. this childhood trauma. So that kind of like helped me understand the severity of life right. differently. Mm -hmm. um, that was cool. It really... it. To manifest that one in my life at, at that time was was really, really interesting. And the 180, I guess, would be <laughs> rolling around in a bed right. as, a, as a client, as a woman <laughs> paying for sex who's <laughs> like, I'm complicated and sexy and sad. And, there you, you go, know, right? it's like the 180 is going to be really, really funny here. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. I got to, again, dye my hair dark, go a little edgy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any, I mean, you've worked with so many people, you might get asked this all the time, but I'm really curious as to what your answer would be. Who else would you love to work with? Is there dream directors that you'd love to work with? I mean, yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I would love to work with Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I know that that's like super obvious, but like that fucking guy's films kill me. You'd be so good um, in that universe, too. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be so good. I hear he was a fan of Lars and the Real Girls. There so you go. I'm out here. Um, <laughs> I would love to work with uh, Park Chan-woo, who did the the hand, hand, Handmaiden. Mm -hmm. I, I love independent cinema. I love foreign cinema. So I'm always like, where are those directors? I would love to do comedy more. Yeah. Like I do get cast in these kind of darker, tragic, like complicated, serious movies. And like, I think I'm funny. <laughs> so I'm like, I would really love to like spend five weeks on a project where I'm just having a blast rather than rocking in a corner listening to Cat Power <laughs> imagining my, all my family has just died and I'm showing up at their funeral. <laughs> like that would be really fun. Like, can I just have fun? So I don't know. I'm, I'm open, but I have, a, I have a feeling the best of my career is actually yet to come. And that might be saying a lot. 
guys. I know. I, I believe it. I believe it. Everything yeah. just yeah. I feel like we're so consumed with horror. Is what is a recent comedy that's come out? Like I don't oh, even yeah. know. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zero. There are no. Yeah. So good. No, but you're right. Like, has there been something recent? I mean, something recent. That's funny. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought. I think Julia, that television show, Julia, is really funny. The, you okay. know, it's not like a full on comedy, but like. Let me see. That's funny, yeah. I'm mean, like, you know, a, a like, movie. Like, was a lot yeah, like, yeah, you're like, length. there's something about Mary yeah, or something like that, like, or like a 40 year old virgin. Right. Are or, they still making those? And I'm just like, there right, is, just so pigeonholed on the like, horror like, genre. There is, a, there is a new Judd Apatow movie coming out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there is, I don't know nothing about it. But, I mean, yeah, there's kind of been a lull in, in feature length comedy where that was actually like good. Like, there's something about Mary, like something shocking, funny, right. like. Well, we're about, so you know, PC now. I think I think comedians are finding it hard. Oh, should you? Good know, point. Like That's a good point. Yeah. Hard, like you can't. Yeah. What can you laugh at? Like people right. are so fucking serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That maybe yeah. like yeah maybe comedies like just found more of a niche. Like it's got to I don't know, man. But I would lo- I would just love to do something lighthearted. Yeah. Like, honestly, like put me on a horse. Like, <laughs> like let me just like, like a comedy like, western. Yeah. Sorry, you Kelly know, like, just have fun. Oh, that's awesome. Kelly, thank you so much for oh, stopping by. It is yes. so great to see you. Yeah. And what Josiah saw is fantastic. We urge everybody listening, don't miss it at time of release, August 4th on Shutter. Yeah, Kelly, you're always going to be my Marilyn. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 337. Special thanks to our guest, Kelly Garner. Follow her at It's Me Kelly Garner on Instagram. At time of release, her new film, What Josiah Saw, streams exclusively on Shudder Thursday, August 4th. Production tracks for this episode provided by the great Power Man 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.